Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's films are Blank Man and Meteor Man. That's not Blank Man versus Meteor Man. Just two films. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I'm betting a moose would have a hard time getting over that Canadian wall we're building. <laughs> uh, you know what? The way shit's going on, if you guys want to build a wall in our war, you go right ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fine. sure Canada would like have people out there with picks and shovels and shit and be like, all right, let's get this done. We've come to help you. Yeah, I saw like a political cartoon with like two like uh, very stereotypical Mexican guys with like sombreros and stuff looking over a giant wall saying, maybe that wall's not such a bad idea. And then like on the other side was like Trump and like KKK member. Right. Ugh. I actually noticed, I, I visited the States a week ago, and I thought... Sorry. They, see, they, they seem to they'd be, they're back to like trying to convince Canadians to come over. It's like, <laughs> when I get to the border, and it's like, you guys now have your, uh, or at least at the crossing near my place, the, like, the signs are in French and English. Like, <laughs> welcome to the United States, Bienvenue is a tattoo. It's like, Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Must be getting desperate. Man, why are they so uh, so welcoming now? I'll tell you what. They stopped at a mall for lunch, and they were just trying to sell us beer. It was kind of funny. I have a theory that all the best places in the world are frozen hellscapes because they like they have to learn to work together, or they would all die. And and warm places tend to be anarchic, like kill each other. <laughs> Nightmare worlds, and I've I've told myself on the occasion that I would like to move to Canada, and then I remember I lived in Minnesota for five years, and that was too fucking cold. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine most part most of the populated parts of Canada. We got a whole like northern half of our country that's just scattered groups of people. <laughs> well, I don't think I would want to live up there. I'm also concerned with the fact that Canada is fairly close to the same size as the United States and has like a tenth of the population. <laughs> it's like to spread out, that's all. Right. Stretch your legs. <laughs> lots, of, lots of space. Yeah, they're just too polite. They're like, yeah, I don't want to be bothering anybody else, eh? Everybody, everybody lives like just far enough away that you can hold a hockey stick out in each hand. So that's how you know. It's safe. <laughs> you're not hitting anybody. That's, you're, you're fine. It's a lot of personal space. 
Canada takes the bubble seriously. That's hilarious. Well, trust me, I already told you I'm moving to your uh, to your house because this place has just gotten crazy. It just gets even worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a. I was I was telling Char the other day. I have this problem now where I can't stop reading the news, yeah. and e- even though I know the news is going to be terrible, because I'm afraid that like the missiles are going to launch, and I'm not going to be aware of it when I get blown up. <laughs> oh, I I legitimately check the news every morning. Like I have the Associated Press app on my phone, and it's just like before I go in the shower, I'm like, "Well, if the world's ending today, I'm not going to bother to shave." So <laughs> I just like hit the app. Yeah, what happened? Too exciting. Yeah, and the worst the worst thing is it, all the news is like now it's all the same cycle. It's like something terrible happened. Donald Trump said something completely assholey about it. Everyone's really angry about the assholey thing he said, and no one's taking care of the actual thing that went wrong. <laughs> but you guys have like a new thing where in the states where I've noticed it, it's everything that goes wrong. There's just like a politician just stands up and goes, "Well, nothing we can do." Yeah, yeah. and that's it. That's the end of it. That's the end of the discussion. Oh, it's just okay. Get, the, the, eventually, you'll all be dead. The sad thing goes. Is- the sad thing is there's an onion headline that keeps getting circulated every time we have a big shooting that says politician says there's nothing we can do about this in country where the only thing this the only country that this keeps happening in. Yeah. And I've noticed it like it's the same headline. They just change the picture in the article every time. And I'm like, that's sad because that's just true. Well, the yeah, onion, the onion is never supposed to be true. And you have these. these we had you a, can't have a discussion about it because nobody knows like facts about stuff, and they'll argue to the end of the world. I had a three-hour conversation with somebody where they were insisting they were like, "Well, this guy's guns were already illegal," and I was like, "No, they weren't." And they were like, "Yes, they are. You can't have automatic weapons." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "He was using bump stocks. Bump stocks legal. The gun he was using legal. They're all legal." Like. There is nothing. He didn't have a single thing that was illegal other than the bomb pieces, which those are illegal. My favorite yes, headline but. I saw, like the the meme that was going around where it was like a newspaper article and it was like a picture of the guy and the headline said like, no signs of, no signs of irrational behavior before the incident or something. And then like two lines down in the article, somebody had circled where it said purchased 33 guns in the last 12 months or something like that. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, nobody picked up on the fact that there was something wrong with that. Yeah. Well, the and the funny thing that everybody keeps joking about is, like, right now, if I went to a CVS pharmacy and I bought three boxes of Sudafed, I would be arrested. Right now. That would that would set off well, a, a, a warning in a registry thing saying, I'm buying too much cold medicine. And I'm clearly a danger. You make a mess. Yeah, I'm making have that mess. But you buy 33 guns in a year, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Eh. Fucking idiots. Well, which the I, 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 in all my reading, I found out something funny about that. If if they had been handguns, if he had bought 33 pistols, that would have set off the warning lights. But not the high capacity rifles. <sighs> you know, we had a terror. 
cling to it. The guy is not dead. He was just arrested, and he's charged with five counts of attempted murder because he didn't know how to get a gun to actually kill people with, so he just tried to stab everyone. Oh, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) As it it turns out, you can't murder 50 people from 1,200 feet with a knife. (laughs) Yeah. I've been seeing stuff like that, too. It's just like, yeah, when when uh, when somebody can kill 50 people from 1,200 feet on the 32nd floor with a knife, then I'll start, uh, I'll say that, that it's definitely not a gun problem or something like that. Yeah. <sighs> so depressing. Yeah. Let's talk about movies. Movies are funny. They make me happy in this sad, cruel world. <laughs> Well, maybe our country definitely needs more superheroes. And maybe superheroes, black superheroes from the 90s would be a big help. (laughs) They are a beacon of positivity. See that segue? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe black. I I think the the phrase maybe black superheroes from the 90s would be of help is like one of the favorite things I've ever heard on a podcast. I'm glad it's on So I don't even know how this topic like even came up that we were going to do it. We were just rattling off ideas. And for some reason, the idea of doing Blank Man and Meteor Man seemed like a great idea. And I don't, like, there's no real reasoning why. There was no, there was no, like, this is a topic <laughs> the other podcasts are too scared to cover that we need to throw our two cents in on two black superhero movies from the 90s that were released a year apart. You know what we don't have enough of in podcasts is in living in color era Damon Wayans topics. I don't know. You guys literally pointed this out to me and I, I'm just like, you know what? I've never seen either of those movies and I'll watch anything. So sure, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I argue? Oh, first time watching both. This would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Wait, I'm going to pause it a guess. Doug doesn't okay. like him. <laughs> we'll find out. Stay I know, tuned. I know, you're, I know you're at least half right. <laughs> Which half? We'll find out. Well, maybe, maybe a whole. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and uh, Noah, since you seem to enjoy the movie the most, why don't you uh, recap what uh, Meteor Man is all about? Uh, Meteor Man is a movie about a high school... Is he supposed to be a teacher or a counselor? It's kind of uh, nondescript. Apparently he was a substitute teacher. I thought Substit- I said... Okay. He's, a, substitute he's a substitute teacher who goes to the same school every day and teaches the same class every day. Who, yes. Which who, is not what a substitute teacher is, and that's about how no. much sense this movie makes. <laughs> Continue. Who, who is in... Uh, an advocate of the run and hide style self defense for the children, which apparently the other parents and teachers and stuff do not respect very much. Uh, he is he, he is hit. reprimanded for not teaching the kids to fight. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> he gets he gets hit in the chest with a meteor from space, which does not kill him and obliterate him into tiny pieces, but in fact gives him a cadre of extremely vague superpowers. Yeah, which he then uses to unify the Bloods and the Crips and wage war against the <laughs> evil blonde black people gang. <laughs> the Golden Lords. 
Yes. Like I said, the blonde black people game. <laughs> so Noah, what did you think of this movie? Since I know you actually said you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I could. I, I, the first thing I was amazed with is how many uh, people who are relatively famous were in the cast. Yeah. Like I guess most of them probably weren't at that time, like like uh, Don Cheel and stuff. But but man, what a what a cast this movie has. And I went into this movie with one memory of it, and that it was vaguely a kids movie. Mm-hmm. Centered around gang violence, which was a weird combination, <laughs> but but nonetheless, <laughs> that's what they went for. And accepting that that's what they went for, all in all, I don't. It's not a bad story. the The acting could be better in parts. The special effects are terrible, but I mean, it's a '90s superhero movie, so I can't really complain too much about a special effects budget. And at the end, I came up with one thing that it's not very often that I watch a movie and think, man, somebody really needs to remake this. And that's exactly what I think about this movie. This movie's begging for a remake because it could be made awesome. Wow. Um, I, the feeling I had was that somebody owed somebody a lot of favors because, like you said, the cast is crazy. Like Robert Guillaume and uh, James Earl Jones and well Don Cheadle was probably one of his first roles, so I'm sure he was just excited to be there. But like, well, and the aforementioned Bill Cosby, which we'll get to. Sinbad. And Sinbad, and the movie opens with a Michael Jackson song, which yeah. you don't hear a lot of his music in movies usually. So I feel like somebody called in every favor they had to make this movie. Well, there's even like multiple like like uh, rap groups and stuff that show yeah. up in this, and you're like, what? Why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Meteor Man also did have a run in Marvel Comics for you comic book people out there if you want to go. Let's yeah, I just, just noticed that. Yeah, I can vaguely remember them. I remember the art being cool, and that was about it. So I, I have trouble accepting that it was cool. I'm not going <laughs> to look it up. Um, yeah, my uh, my thought was like I, I enjoyed the movie. It wasn't like super great. Uh, I'm thinking I must not have seen the entire movie when I was younger because I didn't remember a whole lot of this movie, but. Um. Yeah, like it's it was okay. Uh, Bill Cosby first shows up. The first thing he does is make a drink with his new superpowers, which I thought <laughs> was, in hindsight, very inappropriate. Topical. At the time, they didn't know. Oh, people knew. They just weren't talking. Well, okay. The public <laughs> didn't. The public didn't know. Yeah. So certainly, the audience wouldn't have. Um, yeah, so you guys are dead wrong on this movie. I, I got to step in here, but like, okay, to well, say, I was getting to you. Tell, tell us what you think, Doug. First to time say that, to say that the story was good, which I think is what Noah said, or, or interesting. No, it was atrociously terrible. It made no sense. Um, I only learned this movie was a comedy when I was getting ready to record tonight, and I turned on, I opened up the Wikipedia page, and it does say that. So apparently, there was supposed to be jokes in this movie, but there weren't. 
to say the acting could have been better in parts is like so understating the problem. Like, are are you saying James Earl Jones a bad actor, sir? I know. I'm saying that this <laughs> this movie he's not acting well, and there's so many potentially good actors in this movie that it's got to fall on the director or somebody else to have like caused them to be bad. But this would have been bad if this was a made for TV movie in 1993, let alone a theatrical film. Like it's well, the, embarrassingly the bad. And it's on every level. <laughs> it's like, it's just, this movie is just is atrocious. It's just, I can't like the level of a, the attempts at humor. It's like, like he goes through a whole thing with his costume and it's like so the big joke is that his mom keeps or is it his mom keeps making yeah. him costumes and she keeps making him ones that don't look right but then they finally get to the final one and it's like this Walmart costume and not even like the good ones at the front door at Walmart it's like when you go back to the seasonal section the ones that have like the body built in so your kid doesn't have to actually get in good shape for Halloween it's like Ouch. Well then, well then, if that's the costume you're going to go with, then don't make the revelation of the costume a big, big scene, because people are expecting it to be at least an acceptable costume, and it's I, not. I, I don't hate the costume. <laughs> well, you're, well, you're wrong not to hate it. I don't know what else to tell you. You're like, you're an angry elf. This is just <laughs> like this film was like. Keeping in mind, this is 1993. This is four years after Burton's Batman. This is when people were. Like starting to say, oh, maybe we can make some good money by doing superheroes at the box office, and then this piece of garbage comes along and sets the whole fucking genre back. It's well, just... oh, although you have to step in there because it's also an American movie, and historically, all African American cast movies get screwed on budgets. Well, Wikipedia says this had a thirty million dollar budget. Which even in the '90s wasn't very good. It's not great, but for a movie like directed by Robert Townsend, starring Robert Townsend, written by Robert Townsend, it's pretty good. I mean, yeah, I don't look at how much it made at the box office. Oh, yeah. only eight million. That's yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's that's about what it deserves. It's just, I don't. It's just terrible. On every level, it's it's hard to describe. Like, there's. I, I think I think you're being very hyperbolic about this movie. No, no, I don't. No. Okay, so you guys remember the part in the mall? Where it's like, uh, yeah. Body, it's like, oh, what's his name? Eddie Griffin. Eddie Griffin. Takes, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the character's name, but he takes like the costume and he's just going to use it to try to get laid, which could in theory be a funny joke if they actually played it out, but they don't have the balls to run with it. But they go through like a whole thing where he's his buddy's pretending to be him, and then they're walking out of the mall, and he strips him of the costume in front of everybody, and it's like, well, you just were pretending to be the real meteor man inside, and now you're out here still in the same crowd of people, and everyone's walking by like they don't notice that this guy is taking the costume off the superhero, and he like flies off with it, and it's like, what, what are you doing? Like, are you even trying to make this movie? Are you aware that there are people walking in the background while you're filming this scene? Or is that part of the problem of having the director be in front of the camera? You don't know. It's, it's like offensive, this movie. It's an, it's offensive. Yes. Once once again, hyperbole. It's offensive to me that these people (laughs) think that they deserved to have people pay to see this. Is it, is it because they're black people, Doug? 
Nope. No, it's not because it's, it's not it's because this year. It's this year Canadian racism. I'm from Canada. I don't even know what a black person is. I mean, <laughs> you guys tell me all that there's all these famous black people in here. I did not see PK Subban at all, so I don't know what you're talking about. Who? That's a hockey joke. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, you're making sports but, references to the wrong people. All right. I don't know. I thought I, I really thought the movie had a little bit of balls, just in the fact what? that they they basically made a kids Ooh, movie about about very adult topics. I don't, and I, and I kind of get why they were doing it, and and I've read some interviews and stuff of them saying what their mindset was behind it, and I I get it. I'm not saying it worked, but I still say this movie's perfectly enjoyable to watch. So, and, and at the end of the day, that's that's all I care about is, is it fun? I had fun watching it. Like I said, I think it could be remade and remade into a much better movie. Sure, sure. I, I, I'm not going to argue with you about the remake until it happens, which I'm sure somebody's working on it right now. Yeah. But, like, I just don't understand. You can say this is a fun movie to watch. I don't know how you can feel that way about it. I, I, I can't comprehend. Because can't it was com- fun. What what's what, <laughs> I don't like what what jokes were causing you to laugh in this movie? That's supposedly a comedy, according to Wikipedia. Uh, the strut off at the end is pretty funny. <laughs> the the uh, part that that the part where they touch the book and they turn into models for no reason yeah. because because it's been well established through the film I, what happens when he touches a book and then for some reason this book has a completely different effect on them. I, the funny thing is, I would argue that that. Guardians of the Galaxy might have stole the dance off from uh, the Meteor Man. <laughs> Calm down. Let's not get crazy. I don't uh, like. Okay, first I, of all, da- dance off is not unique to this movie. Well, and I'm also saying that knowing James Gunn's uh, movie tastes, he probably likes this movie. Well, <laughs> he can be wrong about it too if he wants. <laughs> I would say my wife did kind of laugh at that scene when she uh, was watching. But, yeah, but, but do you guys, do you guys see what I'm saying? Like, it would be funny if throughout the movie, every time he touched a book, he had no choice but to take on the characteristics of that book. But what really uh, happened, what the, as established throughout the film, he touches a book, he learns everything in the book, so he can basically right. repeat it back to people. Then somehow at the end, when he touches a karate book, I, now he can do the karate, which is not the same thing as learning what's in the book. He should be able to tell you about the karate, not do the karate. And then... 30 seconds later, he touches a different fucking book and it has a different impact on him. I don't, I don't think that that's entirely true though, because at the beginning he, he touches the medical textbook and he starts quoting it back, but he's being a smug doctory asshole. Whenever he touches the Kung Fu book, he doesn't just learn how to fight. He starts like going and doing Bruce Lee poses and shit. I mean, it does affect his mannerisms and stuff. But it doesn't force him to do things that he doesn't want to do, which is what happens when he starts doing his little catwalk thing. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the correct answer for this one is. But well, you can probably I, assume I'm right. The talking to the dog stuff's pretty funny. Yeah, it's mildly entertaining that he can talk to his dog, but. It doesn't really make like, again the powers were so vague and strange that and just whatever they needed to be within the scene yeah yeah basically he has the power to do anything 
Yeah. Oh. Although I'll tell you the talking to the dog thing when it happened, I'm like, oh, because he lives like alone, right? So this is our way. He's going to talk to the dog, and that's like now he has now we don't have now we know what he's thinking because he's saying it to his dog. But they still do internal monologue scenes after <laughs> that, and it's like, but you established the dog thing. I thought just for this reason, the him and, flying two feet off the ground is pretty funny. By I don't know. Like, like I said, happened, I, I was way too checked out of this movie. To you. <laughs> all, all of my complaints about this movie are technical aspects. It could have, the continuity could have been checked better. It could have been edited better. It could have been shot a little better. Oh, I'll, I'll agree with all those complaints as well. I just haven't gotten there yet. It's like, for me, the main problem is like I can forgive some of that stuff if there's a some funny jokes and a decent enough story that isn't insulting to my intelligence. And this film doesn't provide that. Mm. So, so your argument for not liking it is that the nineties, basically black exploitation, low budget superhero movie isn't highbrow enough for you. No, I, it, <laughs> it's that it's neither highbrow enough nor lowbrow enough that it's not like there aren't again, there are jokes in this movie, I think, that are just not funny, and that's not acceptable. You have thirty million dollars; you can refilm it and have the deliveries be funny. Like the acting, like I say, you've got good actors in this movie. Why are they not acting well? Well, somebody's telling them not to, I guess. And it—it's just this. No, like I, I don't, I don't want to watch these guys just kind of walk around and say dialogue that's inconsequential the whole time. I don't understand why the gang, like, it's almost like they're trying to have some commentary on, like, I, I don't know if the term, the correct term is like black on black violence in in '90s terminology. I think, and it's like I think it would more be uh, '90s gang culture. Sure, but if you're going to have that commentary, then you don't have your gang be like kids in suits with their hair all dyed the same color like that's not what a gang is right well but you can't once it once again it's kind of like using nazis as bad guys you can't make it too realistic because it's it's still framed as a kids movie if you go any more realistic it stops being a kids movie because it's about gang violence see i and i never picked up on the fact that this was a kids movie like i never would have thought that you're saying oh, yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not arguing with you guys on that but yeah. like kids movies don't usually have crack houses in them that was my take on it well but the idea I, once again it's kind of it's kind of hard to explain I think that's a purely American thing because the 90s uh, gang culture and that movies like Candyman and stuff like that came out of it's it's a uniquely American problem so I think if you don't have any exposure to it you wouldn't understand that it's more realistic than it seems like it is it's it's done jokingly but there really was problems with huge armed street gangs shooting it out in the streets yeah i saw predator too i know yeah um, <laughs> that's it in the future those are future gangs um i will say uh that i know and i'm looking at his filmography now um that Robert Townsend did have a TV show, like a sitcom, and it seemed like the comedy. And it would—he did Meteor Man first, which I don't know how. Like, who the fuck even knew who he was to give him thirty million dollars to make this movie? 
But then, like two years later, on the C, on um, now the CW, back then the WB, he had a sitcom called The Parenthood. Oh, okay. Which parent and hood are split into two different words? To, to tell yeah, you, kind of it's, it is. it's like it's like in the hood. Yeah. yeah, and it seemed like it had like the same kind of comedy to it, which you said doesn't it doesn't exist. But um, I feel like that's just I don't know. That's just the uh, sort of realm that he was comfortable uh, being in at that point. So maybe that didn't translate very well from a superhero movie to uh, a sitcom about there's African-American a, people. There's a running gag in the film of uh, James Earl Jones's bad wigs changing almost every time he's on screen. And I see you groan. I don't know why, but that was one of the funniest damn things I've ever seen in my entire no, life. But here's my problem. You say it's a running gag throughout the film, but it starts and they draw a lot of attention to the fact that he's changing his wig. And then all of a sudden he settles on like the kid in play here and he just stays with that for the rest of the movie. And you're like, well, why? That was like the closest thing to a funny joke you had. Why did you stop doing that? You should have kept having his wig be different in every scene, but they don't. They give up on it way too early. And that's what's so frustrating. See, I think I I was thinking there was another one after Kid and Play. Uh, Maybe there was one more after I was after I was kind of done with the movie. Maybe there was one more, but I don't. know. And I mean, I would say like the only reason that's funny is because it's James Earl Jones. Oh yeah. If it's not James Earl, like you couldn't just if if they hadn't gotten James Earl Jones to the part, you just edit in another like you know you find another guy that kind of looks that age age range or whatever and you just have somebody else doing that it's not funny if you don't know who that actor is yeah. maybe they wouldn't have done it if they couldn't have gotten a recognizable face in there i don't know yeah well and i think the joke only works because he's such a big famous guy like yeah if, if you did it today in a movie and you had some random white guy do it it wouldn't be funny but if you had bill murray do it it'd be hilarious yeah well, it's going to be funnier if Bill Murray does it than if most other people do it, I guess. But, like, that's, no, that is a true statement. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, there's so many... Like, Can we edit a, together a version of this movie with Bill Murray instead of James Earl Jones? Nothing against James Earl Jones. If you're going to take anything out, don't take out James Earl Jones. Take out Robert Townsend. Just get Bill Murray to write, direct, and star in this oh. movie. It might make it better. Yeah, that's going to be my life's mission now. I'm going to call Bill Murray tomorrow. <laughs> hey, Bill, we got an idea. We're remaking Media Man. We want you to be the Chief Thurl Jones of the movie. <sighs> the funny thing is I would do that, and then I would want James Earl Jones to be the bad guy. Ooh. Because James Earl Jones is awesome. He'd be the Don Cheeto role? Yeah. The time, really? Let's see you have men as like the young gang leader. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Could you imagine him bossing around like a bunch of other little kids? Just like, hey, get with it. Saying like, saying like trendy like street slang right now. I love the fact that the evil gang either appears to be segregated by age groups or by generic height levels because you've got like the teeny tiny ones and then the medium sized ones and then the normal sized people ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah i don't know i'm kind of in the middle uh between you guys like it's not like my favorite movie ever of course but i 
did have a couple chuckles watching it. Maybe it was just because I know I watched it when I was younger. Um, but I do feel like, like you said, no, it's trying to take a look at like um, gang violence in the 90s. But I feel like it was like a really soft movie to kind of do that in. Yeah. Well, it's a that's a pretty hard line to walk making a kid's yeah. movie about gang violence. Sure. Sure. I still find I still find it interesting that you guys think it's a kids movie. I don't I didn't see it that way at all. But oh, I totally sure. thought it was a kids movie. I I mean I I wouldn't let a kid watch this, but that's just because I like kids. <laughs> you you wouldn't want to damage them by placing ill-equipped cinema into their eye hole. Yeah, like I would just show them a better movie. Yeah, it's. <laughs> not not a more appropriate movie, just a better movie. I did I did have one strong defense of this movie that I wanted to. Oh wow! Because I did make it a point. I'm like, when I was done watching the movie, I'm like, I better write down something positive so that I'm not just the asshole. And I thought, you know, the scene where Bill Cosby, where he mixes his drink and he's like moving his finger around and causing the pots and all that. Yeah. I thought if that were like a scene in like a ride in Disney. And you were like came up, and there was like Bill Cosby was up on the screen doing those things, and there were actual pots and pans flying around. That that'd probably be something kids would enjoy. Uh, that would probably be called the haunted house nowadays. Yeah, well, but back <laughs> children, then, children, children would run <laughs> screaming from that room. Bill Cosby tried to give me a drink. So a, an animatronic Bill Cosby pops up, and he's like, "You want a cup of coffee?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh God. Run away. Yeah, I guess we should say that Bill Cosby plays like a homeless man who uh, took part of the meteor that hit Robert Townsend. So he as well has superpowers, but he's homeless and collects dogs and that he doesn't do anything with it, his newfound powers. Yeah. He, he literally uses it to make a drink. Yeah. And then that's, that's it. There's also a really cloudy plot point in the movie that seems to be if you exert too much power at one time that you'll permanently lose your powers. Yeah. Yeah, is that what that was? Yeah. I didn't really understand it to be totally honest. That's that's what they were trying to say. If you like if you do a lot at once, it'll like drain you and then it doesn't come back. But if you just do a little bit at a time, your powers are forever, which is once again, it's clear. In mind, he does cause like a giant garden to grow in like one night. Yeah. Uh, that was not exceeding too much energy, but. Well, I think they, they were suggesting that was part of it. That him doing that and then super speed catching the bullets is what did it. You felt but, those but, scenes were connected? But once it, well, they, they kind of mention it. it. Like I said, it's it's real thin. It's not done well. Yeah, well, that's. I can agree with the part where it's not done well. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, we know, Doug. You hate the meteor man. <laughs> it's just Doug's new nemesis is the meteor man. Just you, meteor man. The thing is, even the parts of this movie that like aren't terrible, like there are individual moments that are not. Like if they weren't in this movie, I wouldn't hate them. But it's like nothing in this movie is is good. Like there's not a, there's no really good jokes there's no character that I like there's no plot that matters in any way shape or form to me I'm just like so it's just like I don't know like did we watch this whole movie so we could watch Sinbad pretend to be a guy that is trying to act blacker than he is like is that 
that's what we're doing. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to talk about. Like we watched that and we're going to talk about that. Like, I don't, who cares? This movie is just like, it shouldn't be taking up space in my mind. And it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say the, the biggest problem this movie had for me was that I watched it second. So, I mean, we'll get into what everybody's thoughts are on blank man in a second, but so for me, uh, it's not a big surprise. I actually enjoyed uh, Blank Man way more than this movie. So for me, like that was the biggest deterrent, or not deterrent, but just like you know, oh, I really like this one movie, and now this movie that I thought was just okay, like I had to watch. So when I finished Meteor Man, I literally got up and went to the store and purchased a movie that we're going to talk about on a future episode, just so that I can <laughs> remind myself that there is a time when we're watching movies I actually. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, any final thoughts on Meteor Man? Is there anything else you wanted to bring up, Noah? I know Doug uh, has pretty much disowned this movie. No, that's pretty much it. Like, like I said, it it's it could be a much better movie. This actually, like I said, it's one I hope that they remake because I think a better director could make this into something really, really cool. In this one, it's not a bad watch. I had fun watching it. I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it to people because if you can't put up with all of the the technical issues in the movie, you're going to be Doug. No, 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 no. Let's make it very clear. The technical issues are secondary to why I don't like this movie. It's the, the lack of humor, the lack of intelligent plot, the lack of good characters are why I don't like the movie. It's Then there's also all the you're right all those technical issues do exist there is one fun moment when he falls and there's like a crack that forms in the sidewalk that goes all the way across town or whatever and i'm like oh if this were a bugs bunny cartoon that's exactly the same thing that would happen so it made me think of something i do like and that part was good (laughs) the bugs Bugs bunny reference really cinched that moment yeah I, i highly doubt that it was an intentional bugs bunny reference uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Like I said, I, it's it's kind of, it's so hard to recommend it to people. It's yeah. available on Blu-ray if you want to get it. Uh, Don't. Did you buy it now? No. Yeah. I might. I, I was thinking about it. Uh, if I could find if I could find it used, I would totally buy it. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I, um, used, I would stop shopping at the used place. I thought America was supposed to be the angry country. Canada's so angry. Well, America did this movie to me. That's what the problem is. Uh, yeah. Like, like I said, I enjoyed it fine. It's never going to be on any of my top lists or anything, but. I don't. I, I don't hate myself after watching it like apparently Doug does. No, I don't hate myself. I hate Robert Townsend. Oh, okay. So I'm guessing you're not going to be picking up DVD copies of The Parenthood to watch. Probably not. Right. I don't even. I don't even remember that show at all. Like it's, I watched a lot of TV in the '90s because I didn't I, have a social life. I mean, the worst. The worst thing that can be said about this. Is, <laughs> watch yourself. Doug will well, come up with something else. Well, it's true. 
that it's not even the best African-American focused superhero movie of the early 90s. <laughs> Which, that's a pretty small list. <laughs> well, what are some other ones besides the next movie we're going to talk about? I guess Spawn was in the 90s, right? Yes. Late, late yeah. 90s, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. There's I'd probably. Be, I'd be curious how that holds up. I haven't seen Spawn since like theaters. I don't think. I, the The problem with that movie is you, you have to be able to like completely ignore that the comics exist in order to enjoy it, which is kind of hard yeah. to do. Yeah, the problem with that movie is that they made a cartoon series that was so much better. Yeah. 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 Although John John Leguizamo is clown is one of the best comic book to film interpretations of a character that's ever been done. The movie around him is not so good, but that one particular character is awesome. Ugh, I feel so bad for him having to walk around on his knees like the entire movie. Yeah. All right. Well, should we move right. on? Yeah. So next up, uh, final, release. Final, final verdict on Meteor Man is Meh, meh, no. <laughs> uh, so, released just a year later comes uh, Blank Man, uh, starring and co-written by Damon Wayans, and then uh, co-starring David Alan Greer, who's one of my favorites. Uh, so Loosely based off a skit from In Living Color. Yeah, I was wondering if they thought Handyman would have been a little too a little too risque for a movie. Yeah. Even though they got away with it on Fox like for like five years. They got away uh, with yeah. a lot of stuff on it on Killer. Yeah. So uh yeah, it's almost just like sort of a watered down version of Handyman. Where uh so it's these two kids who grow up with their grandma and one of them uh <laughs> is a little uh special, we'll say. Uh, nowadays, he'd probably be classified as autistic. Um, he has that weird, like, 80s disease where grown men still acted like children and everyone else just kind of took care of them. It's like, yeah. in, the, in the 80s, movies just had that character in them and it yeah. kind of just died off now. It's it's also that 80s nerd stereotype where if you were into one nerdy thing and smart, you are completely socially inept and a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like so at least, getting at least that part's here. accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's Damon Wayans, David Allen Greer. Damon Wayans plays uh, the main character, who I'm completely blanking. Oh, Daryl. And, uh, of course, his brother is David Allen Greer, who's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the word is. is it more realistic, I guess? Like, just, I don't know. He's... He's already angry with life. He's, you know, they're both living with with his grandpa, grandma. David Allen Greer is sneaking women out in the morning and then trying to act like he just woke up. And the grandma, the grandma, totally tells him like, "You could at least give that heifer some breakfast." Making all that racket last night. At least you're quick. Otherwise, I wouldn't have got any sleep. And you see, you see David Allen Greer's face, just like, oh. Because this movie is all one giant reference to about five thousand other things. He yeah. is the Cato in the Green Hornet scenario. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Daryl's like super smart. Um, accidentally uh, docks some chemicals over and finds out that it makes his clothes indestructible. 
um, and decides he wants to be a superhero because, of course, that's what you do. Um, and then, especially after uh, their grandma gets killed because she is campaigning for who she says is the only honest uh, politician in town. And, of course, the mob has something to say about that. And so she's getting killed. So he definitely wants to become a superhero. His brother, David Allen Greer, tells him, like, nah, like, you need to stop doing all this stuff. And so he goes on to become a superhero, but he doesn't really have a name. And then after delivering a baby in an elevator, David Allen Greer just offhandedly says he's gone blank. And he's talking to a lady. He's gone blank, ma'am. And so then they start calling him Blank Man for reasons. Yeah. Um, so, Doug, what did you think of this movie in comparison to Meteor Man? Well, I'm not going to compare it to Meteor Man. I'm just going to say I actually really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a really, it was a really funny parody. It's, it's kind of funny because it's a parody of superhero movies, but it's a parody of superhero movies when there weren't that many around to parody. So a yeah. lot of the a lot of the references are all the way back to like the Batman '66 show, and you're thinking, I'm thinking like who in maybe the reason this movie wasn't a bigger hit, I don't know, I don't remember it doing well. I think is was Batman '66 something you could reference in a major movie back then because there's a lot of references to it, um, but there's also references to the whole Burton Batman universe um, mm-hmm. and just a lot of other kind of stereotypical superhero things um but yeah, yeah that's I, something, I had a lot that's of something we forgot I, to we forgot to talk about meteor man was that there was some references to the batman tv show uh and then even uh frank gorsuch who played the riddler on the batman tv show played the main like you know old rich white guy who was sort of in charge of all the gangs and stuff yeah i think that was just a coincidence yeah, yeah. E- evil white guy getting rich behind the scenes yes so yeah, and then this one has a much more literal uh, homage to Batman, where they're when it shows them as little kids, they're trying to watch the Batman TV show, but they can't get the TV to like the reception to come in properly. So of I mean, course, Daryl lies, you know, strings up a bunch of uh, aluminum foil and stuff, and they find that they can only get good reception when they flush the toilet or something. It was pretty funny. Which that's probably not a joke that's gonna land for like people who watch this now that are that are yeah. younger. But like I remember being younger and trying to figure out how to get the T V to look better and even like I remember like my grandfather was always like the kind of guy who went way too far to help his grandkids enjoy life. <laughs> so he'd be like he'd move like the T V around the room to try to get the right spot for it and then have to move it back later before he like oh, that he'd moved it. <laughs> I just remember that shit with skin conductivity where like if you touched it, it would clear up, and then the second you let go to try to watch it, it would go fuzzy again. Uh, uh, fucking rabbit ear antennas, bullshit. What are we cavemen? Anyways, uh, yeah, so I'm so, glad you enjoyed it, Doug. Yeah, and I think I thought it just did a really good job of making enough of those references, but balancing it out with having, again, with the references to the more modern stuff, but we had our own little story going on and you could watch this. And if you didn't get all the references, you weren't going to be bored during those moments. Mm -hmm. So there is like one big fight scene towards the end, which is like, it's a complete homage to Batman 66 where it's like the 
bang, pow, splat, and the big Dutch angles, and the the two guys like back to back kicking, and you know, of course, at this point they, they've got David. Yeah, to which uh, Daryl yells out, back to back, and then they like go back to back, and that's when all that shit starts. It's, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, but I mean, like, you literally have David Elgar dressed up as Kato at this point. But then that's immediately offset with a joke where they're trapped in, again, still homaging Batman 66, they're now trapped in like a, uh, uh, like some kind of glass container that's filling with water. But then somebody drills holes in it to help them get out. And of course, the holes are right at crotch level, so it looks like they're peeing out of the liquid. So you've got that sort of humor just kind of mixed in that is going to be for people who aren't getting the references, just be like, well, that's just funny. It's impossible to not find that funny. So, Yeah. Uh, Noah, what do you think of this movie? Uh, I love it. it. And it holds up so well. I was really expecting it to be kind of like garbagey looking. From uh, you know, it's it's been a little bit of time, and it was, you know, it had a lot of uh, what's what's the proper term for it? Uh, 80s technology, yeah, <laughs> left sure. left over in a 90s movie of you know, like the the robot who's like an old school washing machine, <laughs> J five, J five, who I feel is a, a reference to Johnny Five. Clearly, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm almost absolutely sure it is. And at the end, I would almost argue that it's not just making references to Batman 66, that it's almost a uh, uh, a black exploitation take on Batman 66. Yeah, sure. Sure. It's, it's references to tribute to almost yeah. remaking of. Like, you could almost imagine that there's some fight scene from Batman 66 that they're completely redoing with this, with these new characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the humor is still fairly funny. There's a couple jokes that aren't as funny anymore, but but the slap me around and call me Susan scene still <laughs> so funny. I warned you, Susan. <laughs> so many moments. There's so many little moments in this film too that are just like laugh out loud funny. Like Jason Alexander's character is he's in a wheelchair and he runs like. This tabloid newspaper thing, but there's a moment where he says to another character, "He goes, take a walk with me." And that other character sits down in a chair. And when Jason Alexander uses his electric wheelchair, he grabs the other guy and brings him with him. <laughs> so they're both moving across, and I'm like, that is just really, really funny. And it's not a big moment in the movie. It's not really all that plot relevant. It's just here's a good laugh to have, like a laugh out loud moment for no reason. <laughs> that or like when they when they cut to um, where the the bad guys have kidnapped all of Blank Man's friends and they've got the Robin Givens character is all tied up and then they got Jason Alexander tied up and he's in his wheelchair elevated right off the ground so he keeps trying to like <laughs> make it go and when he hits the little joystick it just starts spinning the wheels and, but he tries it like a couple of different times and it's like that's, that's still funny like it's the. Uh... The, the kryptonite scene of Blank Man's weakness being the touch of a woman. Yes. <laughs> is, is pretty, pretty damn funny still to this day. Yeah. And they go back, to, I like that they go back to that a couple of times. Like, this is one of the things I complained about in the last movie. Here's where they do get it right. Is like they, like they do this moment that is just a funny laugh out loud moment. But then later on, they kind of call back to it 
at, at other points in the movie and you're like, oh, it's like, yeah, it's really important. That was foreshadowing what happened earlier. I didn't realize. Man, I'll tell you one thing that happens in this movie and it's such a stupid little thing, but I was so grateful for it. The fact that the good politician guy ends up actually being a good guy and not the evil guy yeah. who you think is the good yeah. guy at the beginning because, you know, modern day cynicism, it's always that's, you know, if there's a good politician at the beginning of the movie, he's the bad guy. You can yeah. guarantee he's the bad guy. Well, they also, they tease it a little bit that he might not be such a good guy. And then it turns out he kind of just is, which I thought worked really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I hadn't watched this in forever, but I used to watch this like all the time when I was younger. Um, and yeah, I still think it holds up like really well. I was laughing my ass off while I was watching it. Uh, and I was at work when I was watching it, so I'm sure my, <laughs> my office workers are just like, what in the world? Oh, man, him talking to his dick in the bathroom. Oh, that was such a funny moment, and it's just like, it's just a stupid joke. It I really will play with you later. <laughs> <laughs> and they nailed it just right where they kept, like, because she walks in and he's, like, talking to his own dick, and then he just keeps going, right? He's like, we'll go in the bathroom and we'll see, we'll, we'll, all, we'll have a good time. And it's like, <laughs> and they just, they run just long enough with it where it's like, it didn't get old. It was just funny. <laughs> this is just clearly guys and what they were doing. And I mean, like Damon, the, like the Wayans brothers went on to like make the scary movie films. And that. Like we know that they became very good at parody at one point, but here, this is like the yeah. early, I think this is the earliest example. And it's like, really really funny at all times they nail it just perfect <laughs> let's go to the board <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love uh i just love that they're like because they're like older and they still live with their grandma like i said yeah and then <laughs> daryl makes this bell buckle which you were just talking about which is essentially an early cell phone but you know really uh, I guess more of a walkie-talkie, but it's like really primitive. So it's like made out of like a Sucrets box and like all this stuff. And uh, I just love that he's like so excited to get. He gives it to his brother, like now we can talk all day. And he doesn't want it. And you see that the grandma just like just takes the belt. And he's like I don't want it. And he's getting really pissed off. And they step in the other room for like one second to shut the door. And then he comes right back out and he's just like, give me the belt. Yeah, <laughs> just. David Allen Greer's delivery for being the more like the straight man in this movie, I think is just fantastic. He does a really good job of just playing yeah. that, like deadpan. Like he, it's almost like how would you react if like your semi mentally handicapped brother came home and just was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be a superhero now. Like, what the fuck do you say to that? <laughs> Clearly he has no idea. What to say and the running Cato joke of him actually being the competent one, whenever it comes to yeah. like self-defense and all that kind of stuff <laughs> is, is perfect because they don't do it too much and they don't like, yep. I, I, like, I did love that they put him in like the Kato costume at the end. And they had him doing the karate, and you're just like, okay, so they know what they're doing then. All right, that's good. I love that. Uh, that that scene where they do the back to back, and immediately, Blank Man gets knocked out with one punch. <laughs> he turns around. He's like, "How you doing?" And he's just like, "Oh shit!" Like he's already knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I do love that. Uh, his uh, his superhero name just becomes the other guy because nobody knows what his name is. Yeah. 
<laughs> for, for you, blank man, the key to the city. And for you, other guy, this really cool blank man t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great joke. <laughs> How much did you love it too, though, when they finally like so they give him blank man the key to the city and the bank robbery is happening in the background because it's like the the dumbest idea ever is you announce we're going to bring all of those mo city's money to this one bank at this one time. Okay, so that's going to get robbed, right? But <laughs> the the, some, the the robbers go in and they're just like the cops are just like, uh, don't worry, folks, blank man's got this. And they're like, what do, do about a blank man? And he's like, I. Uh, negotiate with them I guess like and he clearly doesn't know how to handle it he just like walks up and he's like uh guys guys can you not like uh, and then I love that you know the shit goes wrong and then uh as soon as he comes out of the bank all the cops are like oh this is blank man's fault blank man was in charge I told him not to go in there <laughs> so I also it's it's a very small thing but J5's different uh programming modes our Sega Genesis cartridges. Yeah. <laughs> I thought there, there was one moment too. It's another one of those like little moments, but they have like, what's Robin Gibbons, character's name. I don't, it doesn't matter, no, but Robin they have, Gibbons. they have, him, they have him programmed to say hi to her when she walks in and it's, and then she, he walks in the, the robot says hi. And the blank man's like, yeah, that's all he knows how to say. I'm, I'm working on it. Like it's, <laughs> but then like, it gets like a half an hour of movie time later when they go to save her after she's been kidnapped and the robot comes in and it's supposed to be doing something else and gets distracted and goes over to say hi to her. <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah. I love that scene. Where, yeah. Cause it's the one where they're locked up. It's in the, it's the lottery uh, tank or whatever with all yeah, the lottery yeah. balls. And that's where they're like filling it up with water. And he's like, don't worry. J five's on the way. And then you see J five, like in a stairwell. She's like one of those old school like washing tubs, like the old washing machines that had like the little crank like roller on it and stuff. You see him just looking at the stairs and it's just sort of like, well, here we go. And then just like immediately like crashes and falls down the stairs. But then you cut to another scene and then cut back and he's like at another landing. And it's just like, no, that's just how he gets downstairs. He basically throws himself down the stairs and then deals with it when he gets to the bottom. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it was, old, it was like really funny. Good old J five. Uh, uh, <laughs> does anybody else have any have any other favorite memories of the movie? At this point, we're just rattling off shit that we enjoyed, which for me is just uh, the entire movie. So his 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 version of the Batmobile is pretty amazing. That, that was only cool. goes on train tracks. <laughs> but it, you know what? It's one of those things where it's like that's a funny concept. But it, he he builds his lair in an abandoned subway station. It makes total sense, yeah. you know, ish. Yeah, I like I mean, the running joke when he's got somebody on the back, and then when they talk to him, he's so dumb that he turns his thing off, and they have to stop talking to him, or they're going to get killed by a train. <laughs> he's like, yeah, the engine's too loud. Let me shut the engine off. What? I said this is really cool. Oh, thanks. And then it starts it up again. Does that like five times, and there's like a subway train coming up behind him. <sighs> and like all awesome movies from the 80s and 90s, it's got a sweet-ass theme song. Of course it does. That's what movies are missing nowadays. They don't have their own theme song anymore. Right? That's a good point. It's because with the VHS era gone, they no longer have the, like, if you sit through the credits, you can just have the music video to the theme song play right after. 
So it doesn't seem worth it to write the songs anymore. Um, any, I don't know. Anything else? Like, I think this is going to be a high recommend from all three of us. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah I think my favorite... My favorite so well. My favorite line of dialogue, I think, in the whole movie is when they're again, there's when they're trapped in that watery tank that's filling with water, <laughs> and Blackman goes, "Don't worry, don't think of it as half full. Think of it as half empty." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how did that dumbass character come up with that brilliant line? <laughs> that's awesome. J five, what's happening to me? <laughs> <laughs> Or the, like, the whole thing where he, like, because he does, like, again, it's the stereotypical superhero thing. He abandons the blank man character for a while and goes off to, like, get normal life. And he's just working at McDonald's. <laughs> and it's just, every interaction he has with a customer is hilarious. Like, working at McDonald's and they're actually using the actual brand McDonald's. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, like, everybody that deals with him is, like, so fucking annoyed because he... <laughs> He's just like, hi, welcome to McDonald's. What can I do for you today? Uh, I'll just take a burger. Okay, would you like fries with that? No. And he just rattles off like all the other things he could order. And the guy's like, no. Are you sure they're brown and crisp? <laughs> <laughs> we have salads now. Most people don't associate salads with McDonald's. <laughs> he started listing the salads, and the guy's like, no. <laughs> if you've ever been to a McDonald's and had that employee who's way too happy to work at McDonald's, it's so frustrating. You're just like, don't, don't take your job seriously. Just get me my damn food. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then he's not gonna. I just, yeah, because he had given up being blank man, and then uh, you know uh, his brother comes in and is trying to get like, oh, we they've got Robin Givens. We need to go rescue her. You need to be blank man again. And he basically is just like, well, we need to go together. Will you wear your suit? Because David Allen Greer hasn't worn it yet. And he's like, I ain't wearing no damn suit. And he's just immediately like, hey, I need some more burgers. And he's like, all right, all right, I'll wear the damn suit. <laughs> so Blank Man's return is all, <laughs> all based on if he's going to wear his suit or not. Yeah, he's not a traditional hero. <laughs> and and the gag of he's been trying to get him to wear the suit through the entire movie, and then it turns out he didn't take the time to use the bulletproofing stuff on the brother. <laughs> I love that. It's like because he full on exposes himself to that gunshot, and you're like, as soon as he does, you're like, oh, there's no way. And then he's like, I forgot to tell you, your suit's not bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> So good. Uh, it was awesome. Buy it. You can get it on Voodoo and uh, HD for $13.99. Totally worth it. Yeah, this is this is one I'm gonna need to I'm gonna need to own and rewatch because it was very, very, very funny. I wonder if they have that like a decent release on uh have to look. Um so yeah, high recommend from all three of us. Blank Man was awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought I had a point, but I don't. Yeah, it's, it's, so kind of, blank, it's hard to talk about comedy something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we've just been repeating the jokes, and we're not as good at saying them as Damon Wayans is. So. No. No. I'm disappointed there was never a Blank Man sequel, because I would totally watch that. Do you guys remember when David Wayans was a rising star? 
remember? Do you guys remember when Damon Wayans was a cast member on Saturday Night Live? No. Very short period of time. It was for one season during one of those horrible 80s years when uh, like Gilbert Godfrey was also a cast oh. member. That's probably why I blocked that out. Yeah. I did watch In Living Color back in the day, and I always enjoyed it. And yeah, I loved In Living Color. Those first couple of scary movies films are hilarious. And like all the things the Wayans were doing back then, like not mm. Game of Wayans was always kind of my favorite. Yeah. But I don't know how I missed this one. It's just it, it should have been right up my alley. Some of the direct references to the Burton universe were maybe like almost too spot on, where it's like if you if you weren't a big fan, you wouldn't have even picked up on them. Yeah. But I thought the weird the weird thing with this scary movie franchise is I think the second one's hilarious and the rest of them are utter garbage. Oh see I hate the second one. I thought the first one was awesome. Second one is my favorite. I think the first oh, one is man. also with, very uh, good and then goes off the rails. Yeah, I was gonna say that second one, and it's all because of uh Chris Eccleson and uh and damn it, who's the guy in the wheelchair? I always mess his name up. Help me. Oh, I don't know. He's so funny. <laughs> David David Cross. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You said Christopher Eccleston. Did you mean Chris Elliott? Yeah, Chris Elliott. That's okay. right. Oh, I, I don't remember Chris Eccleston. I, I was trying <laughs> to think who Christopher Eccleston was in the thing, and I'm just thinking. Oh, like, no, no. Mix, I mix, see, I, I scramble names in my brain. <laughs> that is. That, that, it's that, it's my little hand. My strong hand. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out The Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Um, so anybody else watch anything else this week? Uh, yeah, I've got a few things. If you want, you guys want to go ahead, or if you want me to, whatever. Go for it, Doug. Me? All right. Yeah, go for it. So, uh, last weekend, uh, last week, I mentioned the eleven twenty two sixty three. Oh yeah, I finished that up. Nice. What'd you think? Uh, I liked it. I I don't know how to I don't know how to say what I want to say without spoiling it. So be prepared because I'm yeah. just going to go right ahead and spoil it. Spoiler alert. So the entire plot of the movie is completely irrelevant because it's all just reset at the end. And it's it ends up that this whole thing, in my mind, was just about this character and his personal journey. It had really nothing to do with you know all the real-world stuff that was actually happening. Yeah. Uh, and I can see how that would piss a lot of people off, but I actually kind of enjoyed it. I kind of, you know, I, I I liked the idea that we just, okay, we were following this guy for his entire run of the show, basically this three years of time in, in, in movie world. And it's like, okay, that's who it's, that's what this has been about the whole time. It's really, all the other stuff doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of enjoyed that. Um, sort of reminded me a little bit of, uh, this show's name I can't remember so I'll just give up on that reference uh, <laughs> but it's 
I, I just thought, yeah, like it's. I thought it was neat that at the end of the day, it's like, oh, all this stuff about like saving Kennedy's life is a way for us to learn about this guy and not anything else. Um, I, but I can totally see how that would just drive other people insane who are really plot driven and need their stuff to be plot driven. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I really liked it. Um, I really liked the book too when I read it. So they did a pretty good job of adapting it and stuff. Yeah. Like I said, they added that Bill character to have him to have someone to tell ex- exposition to, which I think really worked. I think they did a really good job of working him in without making it distracting. Yeah, I also found a lot of the um, the interactions with, between the different characters. Like I, I genuinely thought like like the, a lot of time is spent on the relationship between James Franco and the the girl, and I like I cared whether they like were together or not and like when things happened to her i was seeing things from his perspective and i was genuinely bothered when she had this giant scar on her face through half the movie because she was in this horrible situation and it's like they they handled all that really well and it's it's rare that i'm going to give a shit about a relationship between two characters especially a romantic relationship you kind of just go oh they're 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 putting one of these in the in the to like attract a bigger audience or just to make it seem like everything else but it really worked in this one yeah so i was pretty happy with it i'm glad i watched that yeah i was a big fan like i said in the book uh, some people were in the book especially were complaining that it's kind of long and they felt that some of it was boring in the middle yeah. And my argument always was, well, that that might be kind of the point, is that it's boring because yeah. he's in the book he's got five years to wait it out, and I'm just like, and for me it's like, yeah, like he gets bogged down in everyday life for five years waiting for this event to come up, so we're sort of experiencing that, just the monotony of having to, you know, live life for five years waiting for your moment to do something so yeah. i felt like it really worked and i actually feel like they did a pretty good job of condensing it down a little bit on the tv show yeah and i, and I thought they portrayed pretty well the fact that he was like especially before him and the girl get together is like he is just kind of like what the fuck am i gonna do for three years in the mm-hmm. 60s like like he, and he's kind of hesitant to get overly involved in certain things and it's like well all right, so what do you do? He's got these two different places to live, and he just sits in either one, depending on what day it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, big fan. I'm a big fan of it as well. Everybody should check it out if you get a chance to. Yeah. Uh, so other things I saw this week, I, w- I went and saw Kingsman. Did either uh, of you guys get to see that one? I want to see it tomorrow, finally. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to see Blade Runner tomorrow. Yeah, I might see uh, that sometime this weekend. I'm not even going to a movie tomorrow, so. No. <laughs> Just want to hear about the stuff I already watched. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Kingsman. I mean, if you liked the first one, you'll probably like the second one. It's cool. uh, it's more of more of the uh, same. Um, I didn't like the villain in as much as I liked the villain in the other one. I felt like they were kind of trying to do the big over-the-top villain because it worked so well last time, and it's just Mm. not quite as good. I also... Maybe we'll have to talk about it after you've seen it, but, like, 
I felt Elton John got too much screen time. <laughs> and, <laughs> I didn't even realize he was in it. So, yeah, I, this is like Elton John got too much screen time and Channing Tatum didn't get enough. That's my... <laughs> well, maybe we can talk about that more once you've seen it. We sure. Talk about it next week. Discuss it, yeah. It's funny. Uh, so then I pulled a couple things off of Netflix to watch. Uh, first one... Aftermath, that's the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. You guys heard of that one? No. Is that the zombie one? No. Nope. Um, that's Maggie is what you're thinking of, I think it's uh-huh. called. Um, but Aftermath, okay, so Schwarzenegger plays a construction worker. Is this uh, a new movie? Yes. Oh, I completely missed this one. Right. So um, <coughs> he plays a construction worker. His wife and kids are killed in a plane crash. Um, and he kind of goes into a state of depression and what they do is they tell the story from his perspective you know, goes to the airport to pick up his wife and kids, gets pulled aside, gets told they're dead and all that and then we cut over to the control room of the plane tower and now we see the accident happen from the perspective of the uh, air traffic controller who was in charge the night that these two planes collided um and we basically follow these two characters who don't meet. It's two separate stories for most of the film. And they're both going down these like really dark paths because this, this incident has these hugely negative impact on both of them. And it's just a really dark, kind of depressing, very tense movie that I really enjoyed watching. I was really surprised by how well made it was. Um, I love the fact that they really, I mean, this isn't a spoiler because it happens so early in the movie. Like they play it up. Like this was a plane accident. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, there, there's no good guy. and There's no bad guy in this story. It's two people who are horribly kind of united by this incident that is destroying both their lives. Um, and it's, you know, like you really genuinely feel bad for both of them. And the movie kind of plays out. I won't spoil how it ends because I'm going to recommend people watch it, keeping in mind that it is a very slow burn, keeping in mind that it is a drama film, uh, not for everybody. But there was there was a bunch of these types of like low budget indie drama films that were like very dark and tense that came out in like the early 2000s. There were a few good ones that really kind of stuck out to me, like Mean Creek was one of them, and uh, United States of Leland is another one that pops to mind. Like, and I enjoyed those, and we don't get enough of that anymore. So I don't know if either of those titles mean anything to anybody else, um, but I, I thought this one was really good. Schwarzenegger's pretty good in it. Um, he's good enough for like an indie drama film acting. He's it's kind of funny that a guy like the end of his career is now just good enough to be in movies. Um, but wait, wait, did him and Liam Neeson just switch places? Maybe. Like Liam Neeson became an action star after he turned fifty, and now Schwarzenegger's doing like dramatic roles. Yes, yes, that's what's <laughs> happened. Wait, wait, are you are you insinuating that Liam Neeson has not been an action star since Dark Man? Uh, yes. Well, you're wrong. Okay, Dark Man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, he was in Darkman because of his dramatic chops. There just happened to be some action scenes in that movie. 
Uh, we're going to have to do a dark man cast. No problem. Um, yeah, that was on, on uh, the U.S. Netflix. So I'm kind of oh. bummed. So I'm going to have to watch it. I'm going to have to figure out where to find it. I typed in Aftermath and some like Korean, uh, like, look like supernatural TV show popped up. That would not be the same thing. No. So, that's why I was confused for a second. To my knowledge, I can't. I, I don't want to speak her. I don't think anybody in this movie was Korean. So. Hmm. But. It's this this movie like I I, I want to impress how much I was like I really enjoyed watching it. There's like little subtle moments like there's a moment where um, it's supposed to be I think a year after the accident and Schwarzenegger's character has kind of left his life behind and he's just he's like building a fence for a living now. That's what he's where he's at and he's like he's literally working on this fence and they kind of make it clear that everybody kind of likes this guy. He's a hard worker, and everybody around him seems to enjoy having him there. So the guy whose fence he's building, like, comes out, and he's like, come on, you need a break, and he brings him a beer and stuff. And it's like, and then the guy says something like, man, you're doing, like, a really good job. You know, if if I'd like the fence my wife picked out, I'd be really happy right now. (laughs) And then there's just, like, this pause, and they just look at each other, and it's like, oh, I probably shouldn't be making jokes about my wife to the guy who's still depressed about his wife dying. And they just stare at each other for a moment, and then they just go off in opposite directions. And that's that's like, yeah, that's all that happens. And you're just like, oh, well. Sounds like a British movie. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that somebody saying that. And apparently, like, I briefly wikipedia this, and it is inspired by, like, true events. Um, I won't try to pronounce the names of any of the real people because they have, like, I can say Schwarzenegger, but I can't say the names of the real people involved in these events because they're like <laughs> Russians and stuff. But it's, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Hmm. Definitely on my uh, my list to check out then when I get a chance to. Yeah, right. So I got one more movie which I also liked a lot, uh, Cult of Chucky. Have you guys checked it out yet? Oh, see, this was on my list to talk about. So here we go. Oh, all right. So, a uh, hard movie to talk about without spoiling it. Do we want to spoil it? Or... Don't spoil it. I haven't seen it. Okay. Yeah. Um, the the way I'll put it is, at first, for the first like third of the movie, you're just like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Yep. And then they sort of explain what's going on. You're like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. And then by the end, you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. In a good way. <laughs> yeah i thought i i yeah i really enjoyed this movie um i thought they it's weirdly the, the story is weirdly complex but they tell it in such a simple straightforward way mm-hmm. that it's like you can just watch it like and enjoy it on a slasher level but it's also there's more to it than that yeah and i thought yeah i mean it's it's different from every other child's play movie but it still feels like it's part of the same series Oh, for sure. And, if you watch the uh, the post credit sequence from Curse of Chucky, this like follows up right directly from that, which is yeah. awesome. And that apparently, I don't know. Did you watch this through Netflix? Uh, no, I actually bought the Blu-ray. I pre-ordered it like a month and a half ago. So did you? You had a, a post credit sequence in your version that you watched? Yes, then. yes, I did. Okay, so yeah, we watched different versions, um, yeah. which I like, I have now read about the post credit sequence, so I know what it is. 
I love I love that. Anyways, yeah. Um, we won't discuss that because it's it's a spoiler. <laughs> spoiler. You know, one thing that's awesome. You should experience yeah. it on your own. I like. I think yeah, I'm gonna and, I de- and I definitely will. I just haven't got to it yet. Sure. Yeah. But I I I liked that this film did a good job of being like dark and fun at the same time. I liked all like how. I'd say forty percent of the dialogue is a tribute to either a previous Child's Play film or some other horror movie. Like there's every words they say is like, where did they get that from? And you can all I can track. I'm like, there must be a bunch that I missed too because of the amount I noticed. Yeah, and I just I liked the Andy character. I've heard some people complain that he wasn't good, but I liked what they did with his character. Mm-hmm. There's some dark stuff that goes on. Oh, that, for sure. Those and those that those might be my favorite scenes is the stuff with Andy at home alone. I think it might be my favorite parts of the movie. Um, just really twisted. And, like I'm, I'm saying twisted, but I got a big smile on my face when I say. Of course. It. Yeah, yeah, I, it's a lot of fun. Um, I thought it was cool to bring Andy back, and then uh, also have. Um, uh, Fiona Dura from the last movie, the main character from the last yeah. movie, and have them sort of both be main characters separate from each other, which will yeah. make sense when you watch the movie. But um, yeah, it's awesome. I really, I really enjoyed it. I really like sort of the new direction they're going, which is sort of back to the old direction somewhat. Yeah, I mean the the comedy child's play films, I think were played out. I don't think yeah. we need any more of those. Um, like I, I, I've said, I'm not the biggest fan of seed. I think it's, Oh, I think it's horrible. I don't know if I'd go with horrible, but I definitely think it goes too far. It takes all the humor one step too far. Whereas like bride got it pretty much right. Um, but I like that. I also like that they don't ignore any of them. Like all of those sequels, all matter. There's like yeah. brief, there's brief references to like Child's Play three in this movie, to yeah. Bride of Chucky. I guess they do skip over Seed, but they don't necessarily do anything that mean that eliminates it from continuity. Just they don't reference it that I remember. So I, I love that they're still running with this series. I mean, who would have thought? If you ask somebody in like, if you ask somebody in like 1992, like which of these slasher series will still be going strong in 2017, nobody would have thought Child's Play. But uh, yeah, no remakes. Just no. Nah, we're just gonna keep making sequels. Yeah, and somehow make them better, which is awesome. It's yeah, like they keep they keep finding ideas, and by they, I mean. Don Mancini, he's doing it by himself pretty much from what I can tell. <laughs> he's like, he just keeps having ideas that are unique and original, but still remain true to the slasher series that this is. And it's, mm. it's so fun. Yeah. I liked, I mean, I liked having this one set in an insane asylum too. I mean, any yeah. slasher film needs a cast of characters to be there for the kills and this time we get a bunch of people who live in an insane asylum. So that, that's a fun group of people to spend your movie with. Like, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's on Netflix now, but yeah, like you said, the big controversy is the Netflix one is not the uncut version and also does not contain the post credit scene, which um, I just sent you a link to and on Facebook okay. messenger. So you can enjoy it's, it's up on yeah. YouTube. If I, I accidentally read it. what it is and I didn't, I'm sad that I read it and didn't get to see it because I 
think it's not an expensive one either. I think the the combination Blu-ray that has both versions of the film and mm. everything with it is only like fifteen bucks or something. Yeah, I got so, yeah, I got mine for like sixteen when I pre-ordered it. Okay. So I like I figure by the time I'm ready to rewatch this movie, that's going to be a ten dollar purchase, and I'll probably yeah. just go ahead and pick it up. Totally worth it. Um, but yeah, I am going to watch that post-credit sequence when we're done recording. Nice. So, uh, Noah, what do you got? Uh, I watched the remake of Flatliners. Uh, the best part is Kiefer Sutherland, and he's not one of the main characters. <laughs> okay. So, so is it is it a remake or is it a pseudo sequel? No, it's a re- original. Okay. Because there was talk for a while that it may actually, with Kiefer being in it, no, end up being no, like it's a, a it's sequel. a remake. He plays he plays their uh, their what's it called resident attending the. The doctor that residents yeah basically apprentice under well, see, i i thought i'd read somewhere that there were cut scenes that kind of turned it into a sequel and then they edited those out. possibly i don't just why it's being treated more as a remake but my biggest complaint would be that they took what was a fairly competent good uh sci-fi thriller movie and turned it into a fairly shitty cookie cutter jump scare horror movie. Okay. That is the kindest thing I've heard about that movie yet. <laughs> I mean, it's not if if you've never seen the original, I mean, it's just a like a generic ass haunting kind of movie. It's just got a weird premise to kickstart the ghostiness. Mm, yeah. I mean, but that's that's the best that's the best thing I can say about it. I, I'll never watch it again. Which is about as insulting as I generally get on movies. I gave it. I'll <laughs> never watch you again. Yeah, I gave it once through, and there is no purpose to me ever watching it again. Uh, so I watched that. Uh, I actually went this morning and watched American Made, the new Tom Cruise movie. Uh, it's basically the movie Blow. But focusing on the Iran Contra scandal instead of just on the cocaine smuggling, right. and you're better off just watching Blow again. <laughs> yeah, I've actually heard good things about American Made. It's it's not it's not a bad movie. It's just not a very amazing movie. And Blow is an amazing movie. <laughs> so fair enough. It just. And I feel like the movie goes way, way, way out of its way to absolve Ronald Reagan of all the shit he did, which I think is weird. They, like, infer they're like, it's this rogue CIA agent that really was doing everything. And you're like, "Ah, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think that's the way that works at all. Oh, let's see. That's really weird that they would do that. Because why wouldn't you just if you're going to be telling a true story, just tell it in a true way. Yeah, it's weird because they do they do insinuate Ronald Reagan's involvement. They just, like I said, it's it's really weird. You'd almost have to watch to understand, but they go out of their way not to ever say Ronald Reagan did something bad, which I'm assuming is because they knew if they said Ronald Reagan did something bad in that movie that a solid 35% of the population that we all know who they are would boycott the movie. 
<laughs> I guess that's probably a marketing decision, but yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't bad. It just wasn't good. I don't like I said. Blow's a better movie. I'd rather watch Blow again. Uh, better, I better watched... or worse than Flatliners? Oh, better than Flatliners. <laughs> okay. As long as we have that distinction. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was like more entertaining throughout. And then, I ended up watching Flatliners just to find out why nobody likes it. It's just not a good reason to watch a movie. <laughs> the original Flatliners or the new one? The new one. No. Original one I actually quite like. So do I. I saw someone on Facebook saying, can we just, can we just say that the original Flatliners is not that good? And I said, fuck you. I love Flatliners. Yeah, I don't like Flatliners isn't in my like, top 20 movies, but it's a perfectly good movie. Yeah. In the same way. And then uh, I watched Gerald's Game. On the oh, that, that's my other one on my list. So yeah. I'm not going to have to talk about nothing. I would, <laughs> I would say it, you would be hard pressed to adapt that book into a better movie. Yeah. Is basically like the best way you could have ever adapted that movie. Yeah, it's pretty rough. And the the two gruesome bits from the book ended up being pretty gruesome in the movie, so I was all right <laughs> with that. Uh, the weird bit at the end of the book, they managed to put that into the... I, I thought they were just going to skip it, mm. to be honest, and be like, we're just going to leave the end bit out. Because that's weird, and it doesn't fit with the rest of the story, but they put it in anyway, and it works. So, Which you can't really say what it is, because that's pretty much the only spoiler of the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, they did a really good job of... just. I mean, it's a story with a woman chained to a bed for, like, 99% of it. So, like, what the fuck do you do? But they actually found a good way of... Having it so she's not just sitting there talking to herself the entire time, but literally is talking to herself the entire time. So, yeah. I'm trying to think of how to say this without spoiling it. Uh, the the hand bit sure. was was one of the best horror movie special effects I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, yeah, I, I really did. Like, I was like backing up my couch, like, oh sweet Jesus. <laughs> yeah, me and Amanda were watching it, and I think I let out a let out kind of a uh, oh 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 ooh ooh sort of thing <laughs> when it was happening. Yeah, yeah. So that that worked out pretty good. It was uh, it was all right. <laughs> uh, I started watching Ozark. Oh, I'm like we're we're like seven episodes in. Yeah, I'm I'm I think I'm in on episode three or something. Yeah, it's entertaining. Man, it's the only, my only gripe. It's so slow. Sure. Like I don't know if it speeds it, up further in, but yeah, I mean, shit starts happening. So I think someone called it like a pretty good successor to Breaking Bad, and I don't think I would go that far, but it's hey, uh, it's that entertaining. That oh, was it, you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Well, Doug said that. I wouldn't yeah. say no. I wouldn't say it speeds up uh, as it goes on, but I would just say more stuff happens. Uh, yeah. And it's slightly off topic, but I watched Big Mouth, which is a animated series on Netflix. 
by John Mulaney and Nick Kroll and several other extremely funny people. And the entire show is about uh, like 12 year olds going through puberty. And puberty is manifested by the hormone monster, who, who is a character who actually is like leaning over their shoulders and like saying things to them. And it's one of the funniest damn things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I'm two episodes in, and it's pretty funny. It's yeah. like it is. It is like an adult person, like looking back, talking about what it was like to be twelve. It's like yeah, all the guys trying to learn how to like deal with that, and the, like the one girl has like her period, something. But it's all being told in a very adult way, where it's like as opposed to stuff where it's usually trying to aim for an audience of that age. Yeah, the the horrible monster. Just, I mean, it kills me. Just because I remember being a teenager and your brain working kind of like that, where all of a sudden your brain's like, "Yeah, touch your boob." <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> I, I don't yeah. think I'm supposed to do that. <laughs> do it anyway. Um, yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I've seen like uh, posts and stuff about it. That apparently it's got some what other people have deemed offensive stuff in it which makes me want, really want to watch it oh that I was like Netflix has got some big swinging balls about <laughs> stuff and this one there's three or four things that happen in the show that I'm like what in the sweet Jesus are they thinking <laughs> like they're never going to get away with this and then I'm like wait they already made it they already got away with it <laughs> Nice. You know what else I like in it, and I think it might be fun to know this going in, Brian, is like all the adult characters are clearly as seen from a twelve year old's perspective. Mm-hmm. So like the dumb gym teacher is like such an exaggerated version of that, like they can't even read. Like that's because <laughs> that's how like kids see the gym teacher, right? Like he's yeah. clearly not gonna be a realistic character that behaves that way. But <laughs> and it's stuff like that I find very entertaining. It's like the sort of the lower level stuff that goes nice. on that you, you, you might miss when you're caught off guard by all the in your face humor there's the creepy sex positive uh, hippie parents yeah <laughs> uh, nice well I guess if you're going to talk about Big Mouth I can mention that uh, just finished up the latest season of Rick and Morty um, which is fucking awesome like it always is so if nobody's ever seen Rick and Morty before definitely go watch it Every person I know that was like, oh, yeah, I haven't watched that yet. I'm like, you need to watch it. And as soon as they do, they're, like, hooked and watch, like, binge everything they possibly can. Yeah. It's kind of, it's the sci-fi equivalent of South Park in the fact that it can be so completely dumb and so deep and insightful at the same time. (laughs) It is kind of fascinating. Yeah. I, I still like I want to go back and rewatch Rick and Morty like 12 times because I feel like that's what I'm going to have to do to catch every joke and every reference that's in it and you're just like some of the references are so deep and you're like who are they making this show for like it's no audience is going to get this but like you know that there's one guy sitting on his couch going oh yeah that was my that's the movie I like like it's so weird nice yeah and uh, I mean Rick and Morty is creating change. Apparently McDonald's has officially said they're bringing back their Szechuan sauce for uh, <laughs> chicken nuggets. So, 
damn Szechuan sauce. Just random shit thrown out on Rick and Morty. Making major corporations rethink their strategy. That's, uh, that's I good to know, actually. Cause get in the ear of those guys rather than trying to actually convince corporations to do things. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, I always tell people about the Pickle Rick episode because I always just tell them, I'm like, I guarantee you they're sitting around in the, in the writer's room just being like, what's like the dumbest idea we could come up with for for an episode? How about Rick turns himself into a pickle so he doesn't have to go to family therapy? And they're like, genius. And then they do that, but then make it like the most fucking awesome episode of the entire run of the show, which yeah. is crazy. I mean, they brought in fucking Danny Trejo. I know. <laughs> well, you, you, anything about a pickle has to have Danny Trejo. Pickle, pickle my <laughs> uh, It's so fucking weird. It's just like, yeah, he's he turns himself into a pickle. That's what this episode is about. I'm trying to remember what movie it is because it's if you watch that episode and line it up with some movie, there's like six different scenes that are like a hundred percent frame for frame the same scene, but it's Rick is a pickle. It's the main character. <laughs> and, and he made his arms and legs out of dead rats. Don't forget that. <laughs> he controlled by sticking his tongue into their brain. Yeah. Ugh. Well, how else are you going to control them? Well, of course. You don't know. Yeah. You, can't, you don't have another way. <laughs> Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Um, all right. Uh, Noah, you want to uh, clue everybody in what we're doing for next episode? Uh, we're doing two Lovecraft things in which it's Dagon and I can't remember what the other one is. <laughs> Castle Freak. Castle Freak. That's right. Uh, both directed by Stuart Gordon. So it's Stuart Gordon, H.P. Lovecraft episode. So I, I haven't seen Dagon since it came out. Uh, I saw part of Castle Freak years upon years upon years ago, and I've never actually watched Dagon, so I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I've never seen Dagon either, so Castle Freak I love. I can, we can talk about Castle Freak right now. I don't even need to rewatch it, but I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to get some Stuart Gordon, some H.P. Lovecraft, and some Full Moon all figured into one episode. Yeah. So I figured Noah would be happy. I am. <laughs> Do you have, like, a crush on Charles Band? No, like like I've said, Charles Band only makes two types of movies, awesome movies and movies that are so bad that they're entertaining. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe. It, it, neither of those make him the uh, the Martin Scorsese of <laughs> the underground film world. I don't think anybody's ever even compared those two before. No. No, they have not. Um, was I with, was I at a convention with you when we went to the Charles Band Roadshow experience? Mm, no. Oh. Um, so Charles Band does this oh, I think it was my friend Brandon so he does this uh, road show thing when he comes to conventions here in the Midwest um, which then you go to and turns out he's like well we got all these intricate props and everything but 
so expensive to ship it from California, so we didn't ship any of that stuff. So you just have to imagine it as I explain stuff on stage. Yeah. To, to which I've been to it twice at two different conventions, and it's always the same excuse. Um, Charles Band, he's just come up with a way to get girls on stage to come show their boobs to everybody. It's so weird because he comes up with this like he comes up with this weird thing where he gets girls to come up and he's like we're gonna like act out this scene or whatever for you know blah 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 and uh so basically it gives them like this little script and but and then the end like the monster can only be killed by titty power so of course they have to show their boobs and whatever um that's a good use of power as a director Damn you, Charles Bands. <laughs> You're abusing your magic. So, I mean, one time, you know, it worked. Two girls just showed their boobs on stage and then, you know, laughed, turned red, and then went and sat down afterwards. And then there was one time where the girl, like, absolutely refused to do it. Well, it's <laughs> a little reasonable. like Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying it's not reasonable. I'm just yeah. saying it completely blew up in Charles Bands' face where he's trying to get this girl to take her top off. And, he's, and she's like, um... No, and I'm just like, eh, too bad there, Charlie. Missed out this time. So, you yeah. get a chance to go see the Charlie Charlie Band Roadshow. You know what the I'm funny thing is? Well. That's so sleazy. I don't think Lloyd Kaufman would be involved in it. <laughs> I I may have known a, a filmmaker at one point who uh, was making a film, Charles Band producing, and Charles Band informed him like there has to be like boobs in it and the guy was like well this is like like a really low budget movie we're not paying the girls anything like i'm not gonna ask one of them to take your shirt off and i wasn't there but apparently band's response was according to the story i heard well then just send me your product and i'll just edit some in like (laughs) there's gonna be boobs in this movie like that's i don't i don't care you know what the weird thing is see that i kind of respect him being like oh you can't well that's fine i can add some <laughs> but it was more of a this is my movie and i will put boobs in it if i want to not it was less of a respectful uh connotation <laughs> no again I, I wasn't privy to the conversation i'm going off what i heard but i just love that i know what this story is about and, <laughs> and what specific movie did not get made because of that? <laughs> Good times. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, Charles Band, he's a, uh, he's a son of a bitch, that's for sure. I bought the, uh, the uh, Puppy Master box set from him at a convention because, you know, I don't know, these are discontinued. I found some in a warehouse somewhere. And I talked them down to like $50. And then, sure enough, five years later, turns out you can buy like the whole set in a Walmart fucking five dollar bin. Like all, like yeah. at that point, all nine movies for five dollars. I was like, "That son of a bitch." <laughs> yeah, but yours is the actual box set, box set, right? Yeah. yeah. Signed by Charlie. I, I don't. Side, whatever. That's that's what I'm saying. See, I've got the the nine disc uh, Walmart one, and mm. I would I would trade up in a heartbeat to get the actual box set. Uh, I, I think, think the, only way, oh, the only way you get that box set was to overpay for it, wasn't it? Pretty much. I recall, like, that's the only time I ever saw it anywhere was, like, yeah. at conventions where Charles Band was there trying to tell you to buy it. Yeah. Um, 
I do. I will give him credit though because I bought. I went through his line and I bought. This is when uh, the uh, Puppet Master Ten came out, uh, which is fucking terrible. But um, so I bought. I bought the DVD for like ten bucks, and I walked down a line. And I was walking by like five minutes later. He announced like, "Hey, we're lowering the blue the Blu-ray price to like ten bucks for like you know the next half hour." And I was like, "God damn it!" So I just went through his line, and then when I got to him, I'm just like, "So I literally just bought this like ten minutes ago, and if I knew the Blu-ray was going to be the same price, I would have bought the Blu-ray. Is there any way I can just swap it out?" And he's just like, "Yeah, sure," and just like gave me the Blu-ray and took the DVD back, and that was it. Nice. Which from Char- Charles Band, I would. I would expect to be like, oh, no, sales are final. Sorry. Yeah. A, there, I was waiting for him to do that and then go, but there is a restocking fee, of course. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but he was just nonchalant about it. So I was like, oh, well, get on you. But I know you're still a shyster. So whatever. And then I watched the movie and was like, oh, that's fucking terrible. Yeah. So. Still charged 10 bucks for a terrible movie. <laughs> Probably knew he was doing it, but whatever. Totally. <sighs> could have been worse. It could have been Blank Man. Or not Blank Man, Meteor Man. Oh. Doug's nemesis, Meteor Man. I'll get you, Meteor Man! <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.